0: You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. Today I want to talk about the unintended spiritual benefits of legalism. Don't hang up on me. Don't go anywhere. Let me explain myself. I'll start this way. Being holy is not legalism. Being an obedient and disciplined Christian does not have to be legalistic either. If something is wrong, and legalism is most definitely wrong, an overreaction to that bad thing, well, that's also an inadequate response. This problem happens when some individuals who have come from legalistic cultures You're usually tipped off to this attitude by how they talk about their experiences with legalism. For example, when someone appeals to them to do a spiritual or behavioral discipline, they might say, that's legalism. Another sure sign of a recovering legalist is an angry or mocking attitude toward the churches or institutions or individuals where they lived out their legalistic lifestyles. Along with this attitude, after they have come out of the lifestyle, there is a temptation to let go of many, if not all, of their spiritual or behavioral disciplines. And that's why I say being holy is not, or it, being holy is not legalism. Holiness is holiness, and it's not legalism. Those are black and white. Being an obedient and disciplined Christian does not have to be legalistic either, and that's why I say if something is wrong, which legalism most definitely is, an overreaction to that bad thing, well, that is also wrong, and that is what I want to talk about in this podcast. I titled it, The Unintended Spiritual Benefits of Legalism. If you want to talk about this podcast, I want you to come to our website and ask your questions on our forum. We have a free community forum in which you can interact with us, and I would love to do that with you. I'm going to get to this podcast quickly. I do want to share four quick thank yous that have come in in the last couple of days Tanya said, thank you for this ministry. I thoroughly enjoy the articles and reading your book, Change Me. That is a not-so-subtle hint. First of all, thank you, Tanya, for uh, enjoying our ministry and the articles, and thank you for reading the Change Me, Ultimate Life Change Handbook. If you don't have that, you can go to our store, and you can, it'll link you to Amazon where you can order it, and they'll deliver it to your doorstep or just go to our uh, go to Amazon and type in four words Rick Thomas change me and you will see it and you can click and order it. Thank you Tanya. Terry said, "Thank you for clarifying this. I needed to hear it." She was talking about an article that I recently wrote and as she read through the article, she uh, began to receive some clarification and that article is, uh, for reasons you cannot reconcile with someone. Terry goes on to say, "'God has used your articles to help me respond well and grow through a very difficult time this year.'" Well, thank you, Terry. Victor wrote in and said, "'Thank you, Rick, for being a blessing to many. Your articles always bring fresh and Bible-centered words of healing to many in pain that struggle with the war within our own hearts.'" Victor, thank you. And he also posted something on Facebook in Spanish, and so I sent him our Spanish articles. We have a lot of them, scores of them, actually. And if you don't know where to find them on our website, I'll be glad to uh, share them with you. Just jump on our live chat feature and uh, in, a, in an instant, uh, we can give you the link that you need to all of our Spanish articles as well as Portuguese articles. Victor, thank you. And then finally, Sarah, she said, my husband and I are one of the few couples at our church who do premarriage counseling. We glean apply so much of what this ministry has to offer to people in all walks of life. Thank you, Sarah, Victor, Terry, and Tanya uh, for expressing your gratitude for what God is doing through this ministry. The reason I want you to know that, you all, is... Because it's important for our supporters to know that they are supporting a good cause and many people are being helped, like Sarah and Victor and Terry and Tanya. And you just need to know that. And thank you so much for your support because it is a partnership and there's no question about it. Let me get back to legalism. Again, you can read this 2,000 plus word article on our website The Unintended Spiritual Benefits of Legalism. One of the more common patterns that I have seen in counseling situations is the person who goes from legalism, one extreme, to various iterations of licentiousness. That is the other ditch, the other extreme. It's an overcorrection. Now, I understand this as I did this after I graduated from my Fundamentalist Bible College. I graduated in 1990 with a degree in theology and it was it was a a strong and tight and difficult legalistic environment This overreaction is similar to the angry teenager who overreacts to his abusive father. That is the danger, isn't it? If we have a bad experience, we can go way too far. And if you come out of a legalistic culture, there is that temptation to go too far and miss the gospel. If you come out of a horrific A parenting environment, and you were the child in that environment, well, you can overreact to the degree. And I've heard parents say this before, in fact, many times, that I don't want them to be parented the way I was, and unfortunately, they overshoot biblical parenting and do things that are just as adverse to their children, but in a different kind of way. Now, Lucia and I had similar college experiences, though we didn't go to the same colleges, but they were both fundamentalist colleges, legalistic institutions, and it had a lot to do with keeping the rules and rigid disciplines. When we met, neither one of us really perceived to the depth that we needed to the deception that was working in our hearts. We were only thankful to be free from all the rules of religion and to live a life where we felt as though we could breathe while acclimating ourselves in, to the world in which, honestly, everybody else lives. The legalistic culture, religious culture, it's a small and dying culture. There's no question about that. Uh, but still, for those who are in it or who are or coming out of it, recovering legalists, as I like to say, It is hard. It is difficult. In fact, I would encourage you, I have two articles linked here. One's an interview, actually. I interviewed Lucia about her break from legalism. It's a 40-minute interview, and you're welcome to listen to it. The link here is embedded in this article. And then also, there's another one titled, My Wife is Enjoying God, Finally. That's the title of it, and you're welcome to... Read that and then listen to that interview as she talks about how she came out of a legalistic culture. The deception that we experienced was a slow process. And here's the deception. You can begin slacking, slacking uh, reducing your spiritual and lifestyle disciplines. Part of the problem is when you live in a rule-centered universe, you only have one interpretive grid when someone appeals to you to a particular practice. And this actuality is why you'll hear them say. So if you say, hey, you just need to read your Bible, they say, that's legalism. Because you suggested, and it's a common suggestion. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with it in a vacuum that you should read your Bible every day. There's nothing really wrong with that. But the person who comes out of a legalistic culture, they only have one grid in which they uh, hear things, how they interpret things. And so if you hear this statement, that's legalism. You'll know the person is still in recovery, not fully understanding the doctrines of grace. Now, the discernment that is is lacking in these struggling Christians is the nature, the inherent nature of legalism. What truly is legalism? And that is the question that you have to answer. Now, let me go in and give you the answer. Legalism is in the heart not in the world, and this is a huge course correction for legalist. The legalist and the recovering legalist doesn't understand the genesis, the beginning, the seed point, or the home where legalism resides. Typically, they see legalism as behaviors, disciplines, things we do externally, which places legalism on the outside. Or in the world, as you might hear them say. And the Bible would not support this worldview. Reading the Bible every day or reading your Bible every other day should not be a problem for any Christian. Let me be clear here. Reading your Bible every day is a cool thing to do. But if you see legalism as something you do rather than the person that you are, do you hear the differences there? One's external and the other one is ontological. The other one is what you are. And if you if you see legalism see legalism as something that you do, you've misinterpreted the problem. Legalism is in the heart, not in the behavior. It is biblically incoherent to say reading the Bible on a set pattern is legalistic if you base your entire assessment on the action. Well, that means that anybody reading their Bible is a legalist, and that is absolutely incoherent. There have been millions of people throughout history who have read their Bibles regularly. Discipline. And it is unfathomable to say all of them were legalist. Personal disciplines are beautiful things. That every Christian should pursue. Now, this perspective was John's argument in 1 John 2, 15, and 16, when he was discussing the idea of worldliness. And the question that John raises in 1 John 2 is this Where is worldliness? And the answer to that question is the heart. This is how he says it do not love the world. Or the things that are in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, that's in the world, desires, well where are desires? Desires are in your heart. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life. Desires and pride are in you, not outside of you. He says these things are not from the Father, but from the world. John located worldliness as desires and pride. John did not see worldliness in the world, but inside our hearts. Brother James said the same thing in James 1, 14 and 15, or a similar thing. He says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so worldliness... The, to view the world as worldly is to take a Gnostic position, which incrementally separates you from the world. And there have been people in history who have separated themselves from the world for years, as an example, only to find out that the problem was inside of them. And the same is true for the legalist who separates from personal disciplines if he sees them as bad. The Bible is not harmful to read. Neither is it wrong to watch a movie, depending on the movie. The bigger issue for the Christian to address is what is going on in our hearts. When we read our Bibles or watch a video, let me ask you a few questions about this idea. How is your heart driving your choice to participate in these things? I say it that way because this is what James is saying. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire And so I'm asking, how is your heart driving your choice to participate? Are you desiring that thing sinfully or not? That is the real question. Is your heart lured toward offensive things? Then the problem is in your heart. Do you read your Bible to impress people? Well, if you do, then Bible reading is legalism. Do you drink alcohol because you're caving to fear of man? Everybody else is doing it, so you do it as well. Well, in that case, drinking alcohol would be sinful. Legalism and worldliness are matters of the heart, and the central issue of the heart is your motive that's what all those questions dealt with. What is the motivation of your heart for doing this or that? As John says, that these desires is our worldliness or pride. Or as James says, we're lured and enticed by our own desires. Our evil desires is the implication. The Pharisees in the four gospels were the high octane, octane legalist of the Savior's day. They read their Bibles which was not a bad thing, necessarily. Jesus read the same Bible. The real problem was their motive for their disciplines. And we know that the Pharisees were doing it for show, as well as they had a penchant for elevating their brand. <laughs> they were very much into themselves, and reading Bible uh, or the Bible promoted their brand. They were an arrogant and self-righteous group who craved religious control over the people within their sphere of influence. The problem was not reading their Bibles as much as their twisted motives for doing so. Again, I'm situating legalism in the heart. Now, I realize the Pharisees of the Savior's day, they do not compare with any legalist that I have ever met. Virtually every I would imagine that virtually every legalist that I ever met was a Christian. They were just in the bondage of legalism. The Pharisees were not Christians. And so when, when I say, when I make that comparison, I'm not saying that the legalists that I have encountered are not, uh, are not Christians. I think most of them are. But it would be rare for a legalist of our day also to have the attitude of the Pharisees. Again, they were unregenerate and they were hostile to, toward Christ. And so and that's why the legalists that I've encountered they're not and I've met some that have been hostile toward Christ but not a lot. Most legalists are not hostile toward Christ. Though they have a they have twisted their motives for reading their bibles into something other than being authentically motivated by grace. The most common wrong motivation that I have seen when helping a legalist to come out of the lifestyle, is fear, specifically fear of the opinions of other people. The Bible calls this the fear of man. Our culture calls it insecurity, codependency, peer pressure. The Bible calls it fear of man. This is the most common wrong motivation that I have seen with legalists that I have encountered. As they're coming out of a lifestyle, they're very concerned about what other people think about them. Now, we all have experienced this and still experience it to varying degrees. Fear of man is a crippling sin, but even more so in a fear-based, rule-oriented culture like religious legalism. Now, I don't know if you've ever been a part of that. I do know that there are hundreds of... Upon hundreds of people listening to this podcast who know exactly what I'm talking about and they know how crippling this sin, fear of man, is because they have lived or they are living a fear-based, rule-oriented culture, a religious culture I'm talking about. It is impossible to live in a rule-based culture and not be motivated by fear of man the main reason is that this kind of lifestyle is a comparative culture. Everybody knows what the rules are, and it's easy to spot someone who is not towing the line. And when they do not tow the line, guess what? There is a penalty. The penalty could be something like gossip or criticism, or it could be even more punitive than that. If you're not meeting all of our standards, all of our Prescribed criteria, the rule-based culture is black and white, right and wrong, do and don't. If you're not sure what the rules are, well, this is how you fall in line. You observe all the others, everybody else in your rule-oriented universe, and you do as they do. Paul had some very strong language for this kind of comparative culture. In 2 Corinthians 10:12. he said, "...not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves." But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding, Paul said. A legalistic culture is a vicious cycle with no way of escape. You do what everybody else is doing, and if you successfully pull this off, you won't be embarrassed, code, fear of man. This tension is where fear of man haunts the soul in devastating ways. And even long after they come out of a legalistic culture, they have many issues that I can't necessarily get into into this podcast, but it would be worth exploring. Now, some people like living in a rule-based culture. And the reason is because it, it requires little thinking, I mean, you don't have to think about it. Like, once you learn the rules, you, you can pretty much turn your Christianity off. And, and it's kinesthetic. You do it by muscle memory. You just do what everybody else does. And by the way, there is an illusion of security within that system. Of course, the big problem is, is when you have an issue as a pattern of sin or a secret sin in your life, then there is a big problem because it's a fear-based culture. And you dare not let anyone know about your problem. There are penalties for your wrongdoing, unlike the gospel. You see, Jesus comes for wrongdoers. He came for the hurting, the afflicted, the broken, the impoverished. The gospel provides redemption, restoration, and grace, not in this kind of culture, and that's why it is a secret society of sinners, as I call it. In worst-case scenarios, you'll observe some of the more ardent rule-keepers living a dualistic life. This is a hotbed, a fertile ground for hypocrisy. On the outside, their platters are clean, but on the inside, there will be a growing assortment of dead men's bones. And That's right out of Matthew's playbook, chapter 23 specifically. Now, this descriptor is as close as, as these legalists come to the New Testament Pharisees. The Lord has saved them. I'll give them that just for sake of argument. The Lord has saved them. But there are old patterns that are similar to the enemies of the Savior in the New Testament times, the four Gospels specifically. And so what you end up with are people who are going through the motions of religion, albeit saved authentically. And while their hearts can be sincere, Legalism has put them in a system from which they cannot receive help. You can't talk about your problems. This predicament has an incredibly negative impact on their souls. Some of them stay in the legalistic system, spiritually meandering their way through life haphazardly and and, in very sad ways. Others bolt for another lifestyle. And, of course, that brings me back to where I began this podcast. In many of these situations, when they bolt, they do so with a bad attitude. That's why they will say, that's legalism. You see this by how they talk and how they think about their former institutions or churches where they lived in legalism. Some of them will accuse the institution. Some of them will mock the places as though the geographic location was the cause of their legalistic condition. As long as they hold to this way of thinking, they will never recover from legalism, whether or not they leave the physical context. Individuals like this are in a trap, and the institutions and the churches There is no question that those institutions and those churches were strong-shaping influences as well as sinful feeders of the legalist heart. But the point of focus cannot be the context that allowed the legalism to flourish. The person's heart is what gave life to the legalism, and it is imperative that the legalist who wants to recover understands this and they've got to stop copying an attitude toward the shaping influences. It's a complicated process to switch a person's mind from where he came from and how it was a horrible experience to who he is as a fallen person and how he thinks in his heart. So when someone suggests reading your Bible every day, the recovering legalist will recoil and say, that's legalism. And of course it is to him. He has only one perspective, a rule-oriented, penalizing, comparative culture. He doesn't understand grace, though he will tell you that he does. This is kind of the irony of the person in the grace-centered church. They go to grace churches, the church that they attend. No offense to any church that has grace in their name. That's not a subtle dig. Whatsoever. But the irony here is that they, they talk about grace, but they truly don't understand grace. The truth is, he may somewhat understand these grace-empowered doctrines in his mind. It is not his practical reality, because his words betray his actual existence. In the world of legalism, it's more about reading your Bible because you have to do it. In the world of grace, you read your Bible because you want to do it, and there is a vast difference here. The grace-centered person is operating out of a heart of gratitude for God's benevolent mercy to him. His focus is more vertical rather than horizontal. He is thinking less about what others are doing and giving more thought about his relationship with his Heavenly Father. His old rule-based culture is more concerned about what others are doing and whether or not he is doing it the right way or doing the right things. People are prominent in the legalistic world where the grace-centered person has an amazingly large God. The grace-centered person doesn't compare himself with others. He may read his Bible one hour a day while his friend will read his Bible for 10 minutes. He may have another friend who has struggled for years reading his Bible and has no real plan, but rather than judging either one of his friends, he offers gratitude to God for the one reading his Bible 10 minutes a day while coming alongside his friend who is struggling. The grace-centered person is also free to share where he is struggling with sin He knows it's not about what his friends think about him, but what God thinks of him. He sees his friends as assets for the glory of God, not as a community to keep secrets from each other. He knows he does not live in a comparative culture, and he's free to be what God is making him to be. He doesn't have to pretend he is something that he is not and he is comfortable with his sanctification pace and doesn't fall into the legalistic trap of comparing himself to others. If he lives among others who still have legalistic tendencies, which he will, by the way, and they uncharitably judge him for his actions, he can quickly reorient his his mind to the only opinion in the room that matters. His name is Lord God Almighty. In such cases, he can appropriate grace as our Lord Jesus did when his friends judged his motives. This kind of shalom, peace, is true freedom. Grace people do not throw the baby out with the bathwater because they see the benefits of personal disciplines, and that's why I awkwardly titled this podcast The Unintended Spiritual Benefits of Legalism. They don't interpret their consistent devotion to Christ as legalism. Legalism is not in their thoughts at all. They see their spiritual and behavioral disciplines as opportunities to grow in Christ while sharing the goodness of Christ to others. Now, I have a few questions that I want to share with you to help you to assess yourself, to see how you think about this idea of legalism and to see if you have recovered from the chains of legalism i won't have time in this podcast to share them with you but i have eight of them here and i want you to have them and so go to our website rickthomas.net type in some version of this title the unintended spiritual benefits of legalism get these questions and if you want to talk to me about this please get on our forums